would just like us to sing through that chorus one more time. Lord, I need you. I love the idea of just having a humble heart to receive God's word this morning. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. in your head you lose track of time I guess we'll be done yeah maybe that's maybe that's for the best at this point I, I don't, did you see these old records up here do some of you guys know what records are <laughs> you know back in the day we used to have like these vinyl things oh favorite of mine we used to have these vinyl thing, discs that would spin and you would put a little arm on it with a needle and it would go around and around Sort of like those antique CDs, and they would um, help you under, help play music, and you could hear people's voices, and it, it was a really cool thing. I think that, well, you, you know what an earworm is? It's, it's a song that like, starts drilling in your head, and it goes around and around, you can't get rid of it, sort of like... This is the song that never ends, and it goes on and My friend, somebody started singing it, not knowing where it went, and they continued singing it forever just because it gets a song that never ends. And the 750 times through that, you're going, oh, I got someone play something so I can get that out of my head. Do you know thoughts can be like earworms? You, you can get a thought in your head and it goes around and around and around and it can be really hard to displace it. Thoughts are really powerful things. And it's, it's hard to defend yourself against some of them. But listen to some of the words that Paul penned. This is 2 Corinthians 10.3. Indeed, we live as human beings, but we do not wage war according to human standards, for the weapons of our warfare are not merely human, but they have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every proud obstacle raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take every thought captive to obey Christ. Regardless of the power of the thoughts, we take every thought captive. In Romans, we're told that those who the sun sets free are free indeed, that it is for freedom that we were created, and one of the very first freedoms we get when we come to Christ, this is what Dallas Willard says, the very first freedom is 
the freedom to decide what we will dwell on in our minds. What, what will we allow to live there? What will we think about? What will we fill our minds with? Now, I'm not saying we necessarily have control of everything that comes into our mind, but we have some measure of control of what we allow to stay there and what we allow to turn and burn in our mind and sink deep into our psyche. We choose, we have the freedom to choose what we dwell on. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you have some level of control over your thoughts already. And with the discipline and power of the Holy Spirit, you can take back the territory of your thought life. It occurs to me, if we're gonna take this responsibility seriously, of taking every thought captive to Christ, we should identify some of the thoughts that have the potential to worm their way into our heads. If you spend any time in this world at all, you're gonna hear lies. Lies masquerading as truth, and you have the opportunity to either continue to believe what you're told, or hold up your told, what you're told against the standard of scripture, of what you know to be true. And so when lies start to go into your head, you have to have something to say about that. Judgments have the power of working their way into our head. It may be judgments that people make of you, you're not worth anything. Or it may be judgments you make of others. Why should I consider what you say? And we begin to think about and make judgments of others or accept the judgment of others for ourselves. Sometimes it's accusations. Either we're falsely accused and we have no way to defend ourselves. That's a frustrating place to be, isn't it? When you're falsely accused, but you can't defend yourself. Have you been there? To defend yourself would be to reveal a confidence that's not yours to reveal. It, it's hard to deal with accusations made against you. Or we live in a society today where given the new reality of trial by social media, you may never get the chance to defend yourself. You're assumed guilty by the world before you even have a chance to defend your accusations. What can that do to your head when everyone assumes you're guilty and you don't have the opportunity to defend yourself? There are other things we do to ourselves. We get in situations where we get very, very angry. And anger has a way to build and build and build. And we've, I think we've accepted this idea that if you get angry enough, it's just okay to explode. You have to vent, right? That that's the only way to deal with anger. I suspect there are other ways. We, some of us have the nagging ache of guilt in us. We've, we've done things wrong. We're embarrassed, we're ashamed. For some of us, to some degree, that may be the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, make that right. But it's also possible that once we've made that right, 
Once we've asked the Spirit to forgive us, once we've made restitution, we still, still feel so much shame that we can't forgive ourselves, and the guilt continues to nag and live and fester in us. Sometimes we carry a healthy grudge. We were wronged, and we will figure out a way to get revenge. Getting vengeance. We're hearing a lot about that in the news these days. Getting vengeance. It is a destructive habit that will kill us. It robs us of our reason, takes us off course, causes us to lose perspective. Nobody likes to be insulted. Nobody wants to be told this or called that or someone calls you a name and you can't get past it and it just, it's in there and how dare they and it just grinds away in there. Or you get treated unfairly. You're blamed for what someone else did or, or the circumstances weren't fair. You deserved that promotion. How dare they give that to so-and-so? Don't they know that they take credit for my work and if I weren't here, this whole department would collapse? It is not fair. Or you're injured. Car accident, reckless accident of someone else. And you can't get past the fact that you have a new reality and a new normal. And in your mind, you just continually rehearse the bitterness that comes from an injury that, that you can't get past. These, these things, they seep into us deeply. They have the power to rob us, to take away our ability to focus, to make progress. There are some harder things. Some of the things that burrow into our minds are rational things. Some are very irrational things. And we may have very little control over them. The grief at the loss of a spouse or a loved one can be completely debilitating. And while God has built systems into us to over time deal with that, grief is a monumental thing for us to contend with. I spoke with a gentleman while I was a student in seminary who was talking about his daughter's suicide. And he said that God had been faithful to him through those years, that he had good friends. And one day, he all of a, it all of a sudden dawned on him that he had spent five minutes not thinking about his daughter. And that was a full two years after the suicide. The first five minutes in two years that he hadn't thought about the loss of his daughter. Uh, the, the grief can be overwhelming us. If we've suffered abuse in the past by folks we've trusted, it can be overwhelming, it can be debilitating, and these thoughts can get in us and, and just hollow us out and make us fragile and brittle and unable to move forward. Fear of what might happen same kind of things. 
Some of these thoughts are so powerful and so strong that we sort of cower before them, not sure how to move forward. But if we really believe, if we really believe that we can take every thought captive to Christ, that the power of the Holy Spirit is sufficient to help us in this area, then we've got to take some steps to appropriate the power of the Spirit and make some plans to take this landscape back, to take every thought captive. I mean, it doesn't do me, me or you any good if you're hungry and I give you a can of beans and you have no can opener and you make no attempt to open the can, right? Having the resources present isn't useful until they're appropriated, until they're used, until we make a strategy to embrace these things. And so this morning, what I'd like to do very briefly is just give you some directions for combating the thoughts that burrow into your mind. Some, some different ways about it. If we will consistently spend time considering the power and goodness of God the Father, we will begin to lay foundation stones in our lives that we can build on strongly. God is good. God is almighty. He is powerful, stronger than anything on the chart. And we can consider that. When we think about Jesus, of his amazing love for us, the mercy he demonstrates for us, the forgiveness that is ours because of his sacrifice. If we will think about that, if we will take the scriptures that talk about that and, and get those in our mind, we can combat the lies of our enemy. If we will think about the fact that the Holy Spirit is our comforter, that he is our peace, and we can begin the conversation with the Father, and with the Son, and with the Holy Spirit. And we can ask for the power and goodness of God to shape our lives. And we can ask for the love and mercy of Jesus Christ to purify us and make us strong. And we can receive the comfort and the peace of the Holy Spirit by asking for it, by asking for it. Then we've linked to something different than the debilitating message that's running in our heads. There are spiritual resources available to us in the triune God, who is our rock, who is our fortress, who is our salvation, who is our stability, who is our foundation. Some of these other things, though, some of these things that we do for, to ourselves, we need to get some help from our friends with. It's possible to create strategies with friends, neighbors, spouses, spiritual counselors, friends, pastors, and mentors, to help you develop some strategies to cope with things like anger. 
If you find that you're frequently angry, it's not enough to just say, oh, I'm going to stop being angry. No. It, what does James 5 say? Confess your faults, your sins to one another, that you can be healed from them. And so by taking a Christian friend into your confidence and say, I'm wrestling with this. I, I need... I need you to talk with me about this. I, I need to discuss this. I need, to, I need help developing a strategy for replacing the anger in me with something else. I need, I write pastor up here, but you know that in the congregation, it's not just my role to serve as a pastor. We pastor one another. Pastor is shepherd, right? We care for one another in the congregation. Uh, sometimes you need spiritual counsel the pastoral staff is here to help that, but there's plenty of other folks who can help you with that. Folks who can hear what you're saying, can analyze and talk to you about what's burrowing in your head and saying, have you thought about this? A different perspective, a different way forward. You know, one of the, the quickest ways to step out of a pity party is to step into a gratitude party. If you're talking about all the, all the things that you're sad about, if you begin to count the things you're blessed by, your perspective changes. And sometimes we need a friend, a pastor, or a mentor to help us shift the perspective so that we can deal with the anger that's in us, so we can deal with maybe the guilt that remains in us. There have been times, many times in my life, where I've I've sat with someone across the desk in my office and they've told me about what they feel guilty about. And I've said to them, have you asked forgiveness of the Father? Yes. Have you restored your relationship to the best of your ability with God? Yes. Have you asked forgiveness of the person you offended? Yes. Have you made restitution? Yes. Why do you still feel guilty? And they've said, well, I can't forgive myself. I said, I absolve you in the name of Jesus Christ. They've already done everything that needs to be done and God has promised, his promise is real. Now I have to accept, I, maybe I just need a friend to tell me that what I know is true really is true, right? Because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And we have to step into that freedom. And so I may need a friend or a pastor or a mentor to help me understand that. I may need a pastor, friend or a mentor to tell me no, I think you're carrying a grudge. Whenever I mention that topic, you jump to the firing line pretty quickly. Uh, you don't seem to be able to get past. I think that's still live there. And if you give someone a permission to talk to you that way, you can disfuse the power of some of those anger, guilt, grudge things. There are some tools that we have to fight this battle with. You notice Paul said, we don't use the weapons of the world to fight this battle. We have a different set of weapons that we use. These weapons are effective. We're told to put on the full armor of God. These are a piece of those things. The word of God is sharp as any two-edged sword. And when the word gets into our heads, it becomes 
like a bathroom medicine cabinet stocked with everything you could conceivably need that you can reach in and take when you need it. That's how the Holy Spirit works with us, isn't it? You put the word of God in your head and when he needs to apply that to you, he just reaches into your mind and he pulls that scripture and he tells you. But you gotta stock the medicine cabinet, right? You gotta do some scripture memorization to get the word in here. You gotta do some reading of Bible. You say, pastor, I'm too old, I can't memorize anything. Phooey, I don't buy that garbage. It's not necessary that you memorize everything verbatim. If you get so familiar with it, the Holy Spirit will pull out the parts he needs to help you. So get as familiar with it as you can, quote it as roughly as you have to, but get those words in there so that they can be pulled out to assist you. Music. There's a whole range of music not limited by style or preference, that can speak God's truth to you. And we already know music has the earworm property anyway, right? So it's easy to replace whatever we're being told with the truth of God's word in musical expression. If you can put praise in your mind, that can beat almost anything. It really can. When you can begin to sing about the truth of God's splendor and his grandeur and his power, when you can begin to talk about how much he loves us and cares about us, if you can put that in your mind, that is a powerful weapon against any other message that, this, that Satan would want to enter into your mind. Prayer. Prayer is one of our favorite tools in fighting this battle. It's not just asking God for what I need. It's refusing the advances of the enemy. I've said to you before, there are times when I'm frustrated enough in my mind by incessant thoughts or problems that all I can pray is, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. And if I have to repeat that for 30 minutes, I'm happy to do it. Because that drowns out any voice of the enemy. It drowns out any other thing that's going on. It puts myself humbly at the feet of Christ because he knows what's best for me all the time. And he's reliable. I strongly advise memorization of prayers. I have some prayers in my heart that I memorized years ago that come and they settle me, they calm me. I have lines of prayers, especially love John Wesley's covenant prayer, put me with who you will, rank me with who you will, let me have all things, let me have no things, let me be put to work with for you, let me be laid aside for you. Lord, whatever it is, I'm yours, you're mine. What I've given you may be ratified in heaven and I mean, those prayers define us and shape us. Lord, cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Lord, cleanse the thoughts of my heart. Do you hear that prayer? That prayer written on our hearts has the power to change everything, but you've got to put it in there. That's your part of this. That's the baby step you have to take. Put the stuff in there 
so that it can be useful in this battle because friends, don't for a second think that this is just gonna happen casually. I think that's why the word's used, take every thought captive. It's warfare mentality, do you understand? This is taking prisoners, okay? This is establishing the order. This is organizing your mind to the glory of God. Now I said before, there are some things that are not quite rational that we don't completely control. Things like grief, abuse, fear, they may require the help of a professional counselor. There, there, there may be times when the dislocation of thought is so great that I need, to, I need to get help. Some of these fears may be around addictions where I just can't get control of my thought and I need some systems of a professional nature to help me get the help I need through these kinds of things. That's part of the warfare. Part of the warfare is having friends to help you find the help you need and not being ashamed to get the help you need when thought patterns are irrational. Because grief is an irrational thing. You can't make yourself not grieve a loss because God's built us that way. And you need friends to carry you through it. And you may need a counselor to help you carry through that. And if you've been abused, you may need the insight of a professional counselor to help you through that. What I'm saying today is, by the power of the Spirit and with the help of your friends, get the help you need. Because we have to take this battle for the mind seriously. I have put refrigerator magnets on the altar today. There's two varieties. I hope you'll take at least one home. This one says, take every thought captive to obey Christ. This one says, set your mind on things above. You're familiar with the passages of scripture that they reference. Philippians 4, 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And you're familiar with the passage from Colossians 3, 1 to 17, that I've been referencing recently. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in the body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teach and admonish one another in all wisdom, and with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Those are the spiritual directives that we're given. I would close with just one thought. 
part of taking every thought captive, part of dealing with the things that bombard us, is paying attention to the kinds of things we allow in our minds to begin with. It doesn't make any sense to dwell on the power and goodness of the Father and the love and mercy of Jesus and the peace and the comfort of the Holy Spirit if the movies I'm going to watch on television bombard us with all kinds of conflicting messages. If the stuff we read is contrary to what we know of God's goodness. If we're, if we're purposely and, and intentionally taking in entertainments and putting ourselves in circumstances that are contrary to this, it will be impossible for us to win this battle because we'll be fighting against ourselves. So if we want to win the battle for the mind, we've got to turn away from some things and two other things, and then appropriate the power of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and use the tools, all of which he has given us, to reclaim this internal territory, right? I wish I could tell you. I wish I could tell you that you could take a refrigerator magnet, stick on your refrigerator, take another magnet, put it in your bathroom, see it, and yet you'd be tomorrow in control of all your thoughts. I wish I could tell you that. Once again, this is baby steps, right? Every single thought of the enemies that you turn away and say, get behind me, Satan, and he lives and you replace, and he leaves and you replace with one of the tools that we've talked about today is a victory. And every victory gets celebrated. And the more victories we have, the more momentum we build and the stronger that we get. So we're not gonna get this all done in one day. But we will make progress by the power of God. And we will take back the territory of our mind. And we will begin to trust that God is powerful enough to change us from the inside out, to transform our hearts so that we can be exactly what he intends for us to be. I'm gonna ask the uh, musicians to come back and sing the song, Think About His Love, the one I interrupted earlier. And I'd like to use this as an invitation for us to seriously begin the battle for the mind and then, when we're done singing and I've prayed, when the service is concluded, I'd invite you to come up and take some magnets with you. Put them in a place where you think they'll do you the best good to remember, to appropriate the tools that God has provided for you, to take every thought captive to obey Christ. Would you stand with me while we sing? We're going to sing this song, and it may be fairly new to some of you, but the idea is just beautiful. Again, with the idea of allowing our thoughts to be focused on the goodness and love of Jesus. Think about his love. Think about his goodness. Think about his grace. 
We are not adequate for this task. You are adequate. You are powerful. You are able to enable our victory. And so we ask for your help. We ask that any false messages that come from our adversary be canceled. We ask that you would remind us of your truth, of the measure of your love for us of the sacrifice you make for us, of your promise to never leave us for a moment. Remind us of your truth, Lord. Bring all the tools to bear that you've given us so that we can know the joy of the Lord. Help us, Lord. Especially this morning, I pray for those who labor under grief, trials and circumstances that seem almost impossible to humanly bear. We pray that your Holy Spirit would come especially close to these and bring comfort and freedom and insight and deliverance, Lord Jesus. Help us, Lord, that we might reflect your glory to a world so desperately in need of us. And now may the God of peace, who brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, equip you with every good thing for doing his will. To the glory of God now and forever. Amen. <laughs>